Trevor, welcome to the call. Thanks, Nancy. I appreciate you having me on. Trevor, um, we're going to be talking about church health. Oh my gosh. So many broken churches, so much going on in there. And, um, and the number of people that have left the church, can you give the top three reasons why? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of different reasons that people leave. And I think that they're all going to be unique to their own story and their own experiences. Uh, but when we're looking at it from a macro perspective of looking at some themes of you know reasons why people leave, I talk about a number of different things within uh, Brick by Brick. I think uh, probably one of the leading factors is the different amounts of abuse that are happening within the church. It feels like there's uh, you know scandals being released almost on a weekly basis, uh, you know, and ranging in, in different types of abuse. Right, it's not all the same. Uh, but I think that has to be one of the top reasons where, uh, you know, people are hurt by the church or hurt by, you know, leaders within it or the system itself or being rejected. I mean, there's so many different ways that people can be hurt. Uh, but even just to start out, Nancy, I mean, you're talking about um, the fact that the church is broken. It's not surprising because the church is led by broken people, right? Uh, we don't expect perfection. We don't expect our leaders to, uh, you know, do everything perfectly the first time. But it just is the spirit in which that it's led in, in humility and repentance that if there are mistakes, you know, that people are willing to own those things and then, you know, turn and, and be restored. I mean, it's all the same things that we all go through in our individual lives. But the Bible is super clear about holding teachers to higher standards, uh, that they are the ones that are supposed to be the examples in righteousness. I mean, you look at Titus and the, the description of uh, what an elder or leader is supposed to be in the church is really specific. And really difficult. It's a high bar, and I think that's meant to be there on purpose. And so, when we see, uh, you know, the different amounts of abuse that are happening uh, all the time, and it feels like we become more and more aware, and it makes you wonder: Is the abuse new, and it's this big rampant thing all of a sudden, or has it always been there, but we just haven't had access to the same kind of information? And I would generally lean towards, you know, the information being that, you know, we have social media and the internet and ways to get that those stories out there. I think that it's always been there. I think it's just a matter of that we're more aware of it now than we've ever been. And people are also feeling emboldened uh, to actually come out and share their stories or to to say the things that have happened to them and where, you know, in years past, maybe their, you know, initial reaction would be to to sweep it under the rug. And so Abuse is definitely one of them. Um, I think that another one is, uh, you know, that people are seeing in leadership uh, that there is a hypocrisy of how they how they run things. They'll say one thing out of their mouth that these are values that they hold and that they want to follow after and then live a, a totally different way. Uh, you know, we see this a lot in celebrity pastor culture where, it, you know, they talk from stage that it's not about money, but then they're wearing $2,000 jeans and, and, and live in a really lavish lifestyle. And we see this emphasis that uh, we'd rather follow teachings of a celebrity pastor from across the country than going to a local congregation where a pastor is faithful to shepherd the, you know, the 60 to 100 people. I mean, if you look at Pew Research, the average church in America is only 60 people. You know, so I, I know there's plenty of pastors that are that are shepherding their flock righteously and with faithfulness and doing a good job, uh, but they can't compete with these million dollar marketing budgets and, the you know, the fancy lights and the fog machines and, and whatever, which leads to the third reason, which is, you know, I really think that our consumerism culture here in America, I'm really careful within Brick by Brick to talk about only the church 
here in the U.S. It's all I can speak to um, because that's been my experience. I don't think that Christians in China have the same issues that we do. And so it's really important to talk about when we're talking about the church, I'm really talking about the church in America. So I did want to make that distinction. Um, but we're, we have a very consumeristic culture and the church has really tried to uh, create a culture like the world does, which is trying to attract people into the church. So whether that being, you know, having really big, fancy, loud events or, or concerts or movies or whatever. And the reality is, is that the world does media a lot better than, than Christians do. I just, the, the way that it is, at least currently, um, you know, most you know, some of the new media coming out, so like The Chosen and things like that are, are brilliant and really done well with cinema and, and with the right cameras and professional actors and all those things. But historically, at least over the last 30 years, there's all kinds of content being created that feels like a knockoff from the world rather than their own unique content. So it looks like we're finally coming out of that, but it does feed into that consumerism culture where if people walk into the church and their experience is, well, this just feels like a concert, but not as good as the one I went to last night. Well, why am I even coming to this? If, if all they're trying to do is just emulate the world, then I don't need that, right? I already have that in my, my everyday life. And so people aren't seeing a big enough difference between the church and the world. So they're, you know, they're like, well, if it's virtually the same, then I might as well just stay. And so those are kind of three really wide scale. There's a lot of things that fit under that. Um, but like I said, I, I feel like everyone's reasons for leaving church may be different. You know, my title being brick by brick, reconstructing the deconstructed. The focus of my book is not to tear down the church. This is not a church hit job. I always, I have to make a point to say that in every interview that I do, uh, because it really is a book that's meant to address hard topics that a lot of people don't want to talk about, uh, because, we need to talk about them. They need to be discussed in local congregations. So I talk about women in leadership. I talk about race. I talk about eldership. I talk about shared governance and bivocational ministry, um, consumerism, prosperity gospel. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about a ton of really difficult topics through a biblical lens and saying, hey, Trevor, I don't, I personally, I don't have all the answers of this is how you do church right. And this is what we got to do to do that. Here's your 10 step guide to get that done. I just don't think that's helpful because every local congregation struggles with different things. But I think the church at large within this country, um, you know, we have a lot of these same issues, a lot of the same themes of, of things that we go through. And my hope is that people read the book and it's a good starting point for discussions that lead to further health in the church. Cause I love the church. I believe in the church. I think um, God set it up in a, in a really good way. And my hope is, is that, um, you know, that the church can return or, or move forward, I should say, into a new season where it's a lot healthier than it is now. Mm -hmm. Well, Satan seems to have had his way in so many churches that have dissolved and he has put himself in, in the center of the church and made it, you know, like you said before, almost like a circus. You know, it's it's kind of crazy how, you know, yeah. how people are, are attracted to that. If there's good coffee, if if you know they sing in good songs you know these are the things that they're looking for but are they hearing the message that's trevor right. what are they what are they hearing that is drawing them in like this yeah i think there's a, a number of different things like I, I was mentioning earlier um you know in the late 90s and early 2000s there was a, a big trend of what is called seeker sensitive churches uh which is that they create programs and they create services to attract people to come in 
Um, and, and on its face, it's not all bad, right? And again, I got to be really careful. I don't want to throw that baby out with the bathwater, right? Like there's, there's a lot of good things that are happening. There are people that have been saved uh, in these situations. And, and it's one of those things where there's a lot of, you know, we were talking before this, you know, you ask, why, why do people not leave abusive churches or, or things that are happening? And it's because they experience some level of personal transformation, uh, while at that church. And so they always want to give the benefit of the doubt, which is again, not a bad thing. Um, but when we're in a, a situation where, again, we're emulating the world and we're trying to attract people to come in, what we're doing is creating a, a consumeristic, uh, mentality where, uh, you know, people that, that attend these congregants, they're saying, Hey, I want to just come in. I want to be served, right? I want to come in. I want to grab my coffee. I want to sing a couple songs. I want to hear a message. I want to feel like I got fed mm -hmm. and then I'm going to leave and, and go about the rest of my Sunday. And then I'm not going to do anything else. And I'll come back next Sunday. And I just expect you to serve me. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened is, is we've created this culture where most people are okay with 10% of the people, right? The staff or less 10% mm -hmm. or less of the people doing 90% of the work. Mm -hmm. But when you read the new Testament, it actually talks about how every believer is empowered with spiritual gifts. They have talents, they have things to offer the body mm -hmm. and they're meant to participate, right? We're supposed to be active participants. And so when you're doing a secret sensitive model where you're teaching them, it's all about the customer. It's all about the consumer, you know, do whatever makes everybody happy, tickle their ears, water down your theology. Don't teach truth. Just make it a humanistic, go get a message uh, and, and do all these things to get people in the door instead of realizing, hey, what people are attracted to is Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. They're attracted to transformation. They're attracted to their lives being transformed, right? I, I, I love the song growing up, like, Lord, take my heart and conform it, take my mind and transform it, take my will and conform it to yours, mm -hmm. right? We've lost this mentality of us coming to the to the altar, to the, you know, to the sacrifice floor and saying, Lord, like, here's my life. I want to give myself uh, to whatever you're doing in my life. Mm -hmm. And so in my book, I even talk about this paradigm of what if we could flip that on its head instead of 10% 10 per, 10 of the people doing 90% of the work, what if it was 90% doing 10%, right? Many hands make light work. Mm -hmm. And when we're looking at the church through this lens of how is it serving me? How is it feeding me? Mm -hmm. You're missing the point, which is what if you went throughout your entire week and you were praying, Lord, give me a word for someone on Sunday. Lord, give me a vision that I can share. Lord, give me something that I can bring, uh, you know, help, you know, inspire me to, to do whatever, you know, help, help me to lead worship or play bass or, or serve at the greeting table, whatever. And you come in prepared. And on Sunday, you come in with the mentality of what am I bringing to church instead of what am I going to get from church? And weirdly enough, just like the Bible, <laughs> it's all these paradoxes. If you go in with the mentality of, man, what can I give? Weirdly enough, there, you receive more than you would ever receive on a normal Sunday anyway. Because when you serve the Lord and do what you're called to do, you know, you get the, uh, you know, the spiritual benefit of doing that, right? But you got to be careful because then you tell people that and they're like, oh, if I obey the Lord and do what he asked me to do, then he'll make me prosper. And I'm yeah. like, no, when yeah. you're quoting Jeremiah, God is talking specifically to Israel about prospering them. What we are promised by Jesus all throughout the Gospels is we will be persecuted. There will be hardship. We will face trials of many kinds, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible is littered with promises like that. Yeah. And so when we think of prosperity, 
we're thinking of, oh, riches and wealth and, and nice cars and big houses and boats and all these things. Yeah. And, and God's like, no, first of all, in Jeremiah, I'm talking specifically to Israel. When I call them out of Babylonia after their exile, they will return to prosperity. That's what, mm-hmm. that, that's what Jeremiah is talking about right there. But in our lives, yes, do we receive benefits from following Jesus? Yes, but it's not what, you know, it's not what the world promises. Those benefits are joy, right? Yes. So fruits of the spirit, peace, patience, kindness, right? All of those things are the promises for obeying him. And so we have these two things that I think are plaguing a lot of churches and a lot of them are, sub- are subversive. There's a lot of churches that wouldn't even claim that they prescribe to the prosperity gospel, but you listen to uh, you know, the person talking before they take the offering. And it's a whole lot of, hey, the more you give, the more you'll get. So people are giving, thinking that that means that the Lord will re- return tenfold the money that they donated. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. That might be. But what the Lord does promise is that what we're sowing into the church when we're tithing, mm-hmm. the return is going to be spiritual fruit, right? And and yeah. But it's really hard when churches are operating on the budget that they are, they need to get a certain amount of tithe. I remember talking about what, you know, how much tithe we're getting every Sunday and what that looks like yearly. And then we do our yearly budget and it has to come out of tithe. And I just am like, man, is, and I talk about these different possibilities. Again, it's not prescriptive. It's just, Hey, let's talk about it. What if instead of the majority of our budget going to the building or salaries, what if it went to the majority of it went to Hey, we have to have the small slice for the operation of the church, you know, keeping the lights on and, and food and all that kind of stuff. But what if instead of salaries and building, we're spending it now on benevolence and mm-hmm. ministry and serving in the community and, and getting out there and telling people yeah. about Jesus? And and so I'm a really big proponent of the conversation about bivocational ministry. I honestly think a lot of churches are going to go that direction in the next decade or two mm-hmm. um, as a natural trend. Because it's a beautiful thing when a pastor doesn't have to worry about his family, you know, eating because he's getting paid or, you know, getting paid from a a different job. And then everything they're giving to the church is of their spiritual gifts and their talents. Um, And so I just proposed, what would that look like for us to spread out the tasks? Because, yeah, it would be way too difficult to expect a head pastor to do the job of a head pastor of what we expect currently and then also go work a full-time job. Yeah, that'd be really challenging, right? But what if there's a decentralization of power where instead of one guy doing all of these tasks, now it's, hey, there's 12 people doing all of these different tasks and all of these different things, splitting up the crisis counseling and the preaching and all of the things that we pay pastors to do. What if we split that up between 12 or 14 or whatever number you want to come up with Mm-hmm. And that person works a full-time job. They have uh, what they're, you know, what they're gifted in. They're doing that because right now in the current system, in most churches, there's one, you know, one man at the head and they're responsible to teach and to preach and to shepherd and to do all the things that we're asking them to do. But like I talk about in the book, not every teacher is a good pastor and not every pastor is a good teacher. They're separate mm-hmm. giftings. Like in, yes. the, in the Bible, they literally list them out separately. And so I just look at it through this whole whole lens, and I apologize if this is a way longer answer than you're looking for, but when you're looking at the prosperity gospel and you're looking at consumerism, there's a few small solutions that you could make that uh, would alleviate um, you know, those false teachings and, and, and setting up a culture that doesn't reciprocate itself. Uh, 
you know, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different ideas out there of things that can be done that you could even argue the early church was doing uh, that might benefit us now uh, to break out of those types of mentalities. Trevor, where can they get this book? Yeah. So anywhere that books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, you can go to my website, trevorwhitman.com, learn a little bit more about me. Uh, and and I actually wrote a, another book a couple of years ago uh, revolving around uh, servant leadership. Uh, and so if you wanted to pick that up for you and your team, that's available on Amazon as well. Uh, but yeah, this is this is something that I, I'm just praying that the church can can grab onto and uh, and be challenged in a way that is really glorifying to the Lord. Wonderful. So what would you like to leave my audience with today? And just know that I'm growing alongside you. Uh, like I said, I don't pretend to have all the answers. I think it's just a starting point and, uh, and a conversation starter. Uh, but just know that I, I'm rooting for you, that I, I believe in you as an individual within your congregation to be a change agent uh, for the better and for the Lord to use you as a vessel that, uh, man, that he is excited about the giftings and the talents that he has given you. And he wants to use this opportunity right now to just speak to you individually that if you're on the fence about using the spiritual gifts that he's given you, uh, take this as your push to uh, to dive in, to be courageous and uh, be the person that God created you to be. In Matthew 18, 15 through 17, Jesus gives instructions on confronting a sinner in church. The New Testament is full of instructions on how to deal with people in the church. Are you sitting in a church agreeing with what the pastor is saying and is not God's truth? Well, do you listen to the call of God? Because God speaks to you every day. Are you listening to the call?